Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you're listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a podcast that I hope will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. We have talked a lot about books and songs, even artwork that depicts Our Lady. But there's another genre, too, that we could talk about, and that is poetry. There are some beautiful Marian poems that are in the back of the breviary. There's one Jesuit, his name escapes me, but he has uh, some very beautiful Marian poetry, including one called May's Magnificat. And so today, I'm very delighted to be speaking with someone that I followed on Twitter for a long time. She's followed me as well. There's been interactions on Twitter and such. And her name is Christina Sorrentino. And so she is a poet. Not only is she a teacher, but she's a freelance writer. She writes lots of different genres, but she has published a book on poetry, which I was able to receive in advance when it was published and offer a promotional blurb. Uh, Christina writes for a lot of different websites, including uh, Ignitum Today, where she serves as the editor-in-chief and as a columnist, and she has contributed to lots of different Catholic websites that you might be familiar with, including Catholic 365, Catholic Link, Homiletic and Pastoral Review, and the list goes on. So uh, very excited for our conversation today, Christina, so thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me, Father. Now, you're a young person, you're a young Catholic, you're living the Catholic faith, and you live in the Archdiocese of New York. You're probably engaged in different young adult activities out there in New York. I'm just wondering, how was the seed of faith planted in your life, and how does it continue really then for you to live that faith that you received and uh, continue to to embrace it in your young adult years, because you and I both know, and you probably have friends as I do, raised Catholics, and maybe they've turned away from the faith. Maybe they've become involved in a Christian denomination, uh, one that is more, you know, charismatic or something like that. So, so why continue practicing the faith as a young Catholic? I know it started for me um, growing up. I used to go to Mass on Sundays with my mom and my grandmother, um, so that was really the foundation for me. And then as a teenager, I had joined uh, at my parish. We had a teen group, and that helped me. It was at that point that my faith started to even get deeper. Uh, we would be more involved with the parish. We used to help out with fundraisers, and they used to have us lecture for Mass. And then as a young adult in college, even though I was, a, I was surrounded with um, mostly, honestly, uh Catholics, but for me, it's just something about our faith just really attracted me so much that I didn't want to be like the rest of the world. It was just something that it really like deterred me being around all that. I was like, I don't want that. Like, I really just want Jesus. I want to be involved with my faith. Want to keep my faith. And as a young adult, I started going to young, um, continuing really going to even more activities, but going to young adult activities. I got involved with the Versati Fellowship in New York. Um, I had met Colin, um, who's the head of the young adults in New York. And I was even a young adult leader for a while of a young adult group on Staten Island where I live. And it's just my faith just deepened from there. And I think it led me, honestly, just to try to, I wanted to really get our faith out to even more people. Like I have this love for our faith and the zeal. And I was like, I want to share this with others. And I love writing poetry. I love writing in general. And I was like, well, I could combine the two, really. So I wound up using poetry 
is a way to further share our faith and to hope maybe to inspire others, maybe even fallen away Catholics, to be able to have a better understanding of the Eucharist and and the other sacraments like confession, and to maybe fall back in love with Christ again. And that's beautiful, and that's God at work in your life. And and when we have that experience of God, well, we have to cooperate with Him. We have to respond. And so this is how God is calling you. This is how you are uh, acting and responding then to that call. And so it's always wonderful to hear young people who are receptive and open uh, to the call of God in that way. Uh, You've done a lot of writing. You work for different websites or uh, write for them as a freelance writer and such. Where did that passion come about? I always loved writing. Um, In high school, actually, it started, we used to have um, competitions for poetry, for analogies, um, and I mean, anthologies that we used to do, and you would submit them, and then they would accept them or reject them, or, and I, a lot of times, did get accepted, and that was, like, my first experience of having my work in, in books, like, for high school students and taking part in competitions, and I always just liked to write for creativity, and I remember with my teacher saying, oh, well, why don't you enter it into competition, and that's when I started doing that, and then it wasn't until probably more recent times that I was like, you know what, like, I have a lot that I want to offer. So let me just take a, a try here at submitting it to um, different publications to see if maybe they can be accepted. So more recently, I've been writing for Word on Fire and um, and, and in YouTube today, I still write for in YouTube as the editor. And then Missy O'Day is a, a up, com- up and coming publication. I've been writing a lot more for them now. And uh, they really want to spread the mission of the church, Missy O'Day. And that, that really resonated with my heart. Um, so I'm very much more involved with Missy O'Day now, just because they're really on fire with trying to evangelize and even non-Catholics, because we, we try to make our articles uh, more approachable. And for, I mean, we still talk about the truth, but more approachable, and so that it can help even non-Catholics to understand our faith. Yeah, actually, I just became aware of this Missy O'Day in the last few days. I didn't really know much about it, but there's been some, you know, social media uh, conversation about it, etc. So I've been able to learn a little bit about it, and uh, I'll have to check it out more and see what they offer and such. And uh, these are all ways, you know, they always talk about engaging the new media, and this is exactly what we're doing uh, in different ways. And so some people do it through writing. Other people might do it through TikToks or Instagram Reels or whatever. It's It's just amazing to see the amount of content we're able to be sharing these days in all the different platforms that they are being shared on. So uh, I really feel that that we can impact uh, different people in different ways, and we are really trying to meet them all, um, whether it's the church as an entity, like a parish or whatever, or as the church as the people of God who are doing it themselves, and really taking to heart that call of Jesus who says to go and to make disciples of all nations. Your latest book of poetry is called Belonging to Christ and specifically subtitled Catholic Poetry. So you want to set it apart in a sense to let people know this is Catholic poetry. Belonging to Christ, I suppose, could be a very broad Christian uh, genre in a sense or title. Someone from the outside, uh, a Protestant faith, maybe could, could think that, oh, this is poetry, I'm going to read it. and then. But you want to let them know right away this is Catholic poetry. And uh, tell me, what's the art of writing Catholic poems? How do you get inspired to write them? A lot of my poetry, I actually was insp- get inspired, uh, like after Mass sometimes it'll come to me, 
or um, during Eucharistic adoration, just spending time alone with Christ. And I'll just start getting inspiration. And then like when I go home, like I'll start writing things down and eventually like it comes together. But it really is spending time alone with Christ and, and just being in the quiet and not talking and just listening. And that's interesting. You say right after mass, it could maybe be even an adoration. You get some inspired words or phrases. Anthony Stefano often says that a lot of his ideas come to him right after he prays the rosary, for example. So uh, there are lots of different ways then that God can inspire us. And uh, truly your poetry uh, is inspired then in that way. Now, one of the things I know just from your, your Twitter profile bio, your short little bio there, is that you have a great love for the Catholic priesthood. And in fact, you dedicate your book to priests. So you even have a poem about priests, thy beloved priest. As the dawn slowly rises until the heavy dark descends, he marks the hours with the prayer that sanctifies the day. With a zealous heart on fire with the word, he breaks open the truth to those who thirst. He acts as the bridegroom at the supper of the Lamb. Before the altar he stands in the person of Christ the head. Transubstantiation, the sweet taste of heaven on earth. The kingdom before us is a precious gift of priceless worth. With the outpouring of the Spirit, his hands absolve us from our sin. We receive pardon and the body is made whole again. As Christ the physician, the power of grace manifests by the sacred anointing, the sick are given peace, courage, and healing and strength. Thy beloved priest is of immeasurable value, for without his vocation, we have nothing. So that's your poem, Thy Beloved Priest. And where did this devotion, I guess, to the priesthood, praying for priests, praying for their sanctification, etc., how did that arise within your heart and soul? Quite a few times I've had priests uh, approach me and ask for prayers. And I one um, distinct homily um, struck out to me. I remember a priest one time saying that the devil hovers over the rectory and priests get attacked in a very unique way. And we really need your prayers. We need the prayers of the laity to, to be able to lift us up when we're being attacked by the devil. And I remember that always struck with me. And I remember from that moment on, I was like, I want to really offer what I can for the priesthood, whether it's fasting, praying, um, sacrifices. And I've been blessed pretty much my, ent my entire life. I've had very good priests um, in my parish, and they were always very supportive of me uh, when because I offer I help out in my parish as a lector sometimes. Um, more recently, because now I'm off of the summer, I've been helping out with sacristy work. And they're just very helpful, and they appreciate the help, and they really want to work together with us, with the laity, to help to to keep the people coming to for, for our parish and to help the laity to understand that, you know, we can be involved in different ways. Um, as a woman, I feel that as I'm blessed to have a role as a woman specifically to be able to help our priests. And another poem you have is actually about the Curie of ours. So he is the patron saint of priests, and I'm sure this devotion of praying for priests, uh, you implore his intercession, and that's why you wrote that poem. Yes. All the, I pray to St. Vianney all the time for his intercession. I even have, um, once a month, several months ago I had started, I run a, v a virtual Vianney Senegal, where we offer a rosary for the priests that started um, from the Foundation of Prayer for Priests by um, Kathleen Beckman. 
oh, um, nice. from EWTN. She had started that, and I got involved with that. And I have quite a few people that come on once a month, um, and we go. To, we do the rosary for priests. Oh, that's beautiful. That's great. I think it's always interesting, you know, that you have this charism. Your charism, I would say, is praying for priests. And so this is your intercession. And uh, many people who follow me on social media probably are aware that for me, I discerned that my charism was to pray for couples who struggle to conceive. I have a great devotion to Our Lady, especially Our Lady of La Leche. I love that Marian shrine down in Florida. And so that's really my charism. So I go out of my way, in a sense, to uh, pray for those people to visit that shrine, etc. So uh, it's always, you know, very interesting to me how God calls each person to pray in a particular way. For another person, it might be to pray for people uh, with mental illness, or, you know, the list goes on and on of the different charisms. And so for you to know that, to have been moved and inspired by a homily, uh, by a priest sharing, uh, is just really, you know, something that I think is God at work uh, in your life. And again, this idea of responding to what God is doing. Now, a lot of your poems, it seems, some of them have an emphasis on the Holy Eucharist. You have, O bread of the angels, in his presence, in this sacrament. And so, obviously, you have a strong Eucharistic devotion. This is the year one of the Church in America's Eucharistic revival. So, tell me a little bit about the Eucharist in your life and maybe your poetry that you wrote about the Eucharist. What's the importance of the Eucharist in your life? Well, like I had mentioned, Father, I have a love for the Eucharist. I, I go to daily Mass, and that really does help to jumpstart my day by receiving Jesus. And so many Catholics do not believe in the Real Presence, or they don't understand the Real Presence. And like I had mentioned before, I really wanted to um, use my poetry to take part in this evangelization effort to help Catholics to understand what the Eucharist really is. So I tried to incorporate into my poetry, I even use the Catechism um, uh, as uh, inspiration to help me with that poetry. And I read some writings about the Eucharist and some books I used before I wrote my poetry because I really wanted to help others to truly understand that the Eucharist is Jesus. And I'm looking at one of your poems on the Eucharist called O Bread of the Angels. And it's interesting to me that you bring in St. Joseph. Glorious St. Joseph, our patron and guide, lead us to the sacred heart of Jesus, the center of our lives. So why St. Joseph? Why incorporate him into a poem about the Eucharist? He never received the Eucharist in his life. I know for me, um, a part of that was when I had written that poem, it was during the year of St. Joseph. And I had wanted to incorporate St. Joseph as many as, as much as I can into the different poems that I had. I had one specific poem about St. Joseph, but also um, because St. Joseph was there with Mary, supporting Mary, and Mary was carrying the bread of life within her womb. Sure, definitely. Uh, Sister Joseph Andrew from the Dominican Sisters and Mary, Mother of the Eucharist, she had this beautiful reflection about like maybe Jesus kissing the wound of, or that maybe Joseph kissing the wound of baby Jesus. In a sense, that was like an anticipated Holy Communion because the blood of Christ would have been on his lips had he kissed that wound like parents typically do. You know, I have an owie, my mom or dad kisses it, makes it feel better. And so in a sense, you could say there's some sort of anticipated uh, Holy Communion, I would think, uh, in the life of St. Joseph, especially being with the one who is the bread of life and raising him and and everything of that sort so out of all the poems you've written is there one that is 
one of your favorites, one that you're most proud of, I guess, in the sense of maybe style, etc.? My favorite was um, the poem I wrote on Holy Waters, and then the next day too, but as soon as I came home from my friend's ordination, it struck me so much, the experience, that all these like words and emotions and feelings are, like running through my heart and my mind. And I was like, I need to get this down. Like This has to go down on paper, like everything that I was feeling. And then eventually it came out into a poem. Um, but it was just, it, it was so powerful for me, that experience of his ordination. And what was the title of that poem? Holy Orders. Holy Orders. And I think with poetry, you know, it's a little different. Some songs are poetic, right? So I, we, uh, on the podcast recently, I, I talked with someone about art. So from uh, making a pilgrimage to an art museum, allowing it to be a spiritual experience, encountering God and the divine and all of those things. And for me, I've had powerful experiences at art museums where literally looking at the religious art moved me to pray a decade of the rosary before the image that I was looking at. So art has moved me to prayer. And then I've interviewed recently some music artists who have written songs about Our Lady. And so, of course, music, that leads us to prayer. That song actually can be a prayer in and of itself. And so using that song can lead me as I pray this, pray those words, asking Mary to pray for me, lifting up my intentions, whatever, that's a prayer. And so can poetry, as someone reads your poetry, is it meant to be a prayer for them? Is it meant to open them up to think about something and allow it to become a prayer in their own way? Uh, how can poetry interact with our prayer life? definitely um, to help whoever's reading it to make it a part of their own experience. Because I know um, Kathleen Beckman said like she had read a couple of my home, like when she reviewed my, my book, she looked at my and she said she read it like in the middle of a busy day. Maybe somebody else will read it on the beach. Maybe someone else is just sitting relaxing at home um, reading it. So I think like my whole goal was really just to hope that it could inspire those reading it and that it would make sense to them through the lens of their own personal experience and their own faith experience, their own faith journey. Sure. And uh, of course, too, like someone might not be in the same place where you are spiritually, but in a sense, your poetry kind of can make them think about different things that they've never considered. They might even learn, you know, different terms or words. And so it can be a, a moment in which they are brought to a deeper learning and knowledge of the faith, I would think. Absolutely. I was hoping that as well. So, of course, I know from Twitter, people that aren't even Catholic have told me that they've purchased the book and they wanted to read it. And so I'm hoping even for them that it could touch them on some level, even though they don't understand the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist, um, the sacrament of confession. But I'm hoping on some level, though, it can help to reach them. September is upon us. And so you have a poem in bleak September. Ode to September to the bleakest of days when the bright summer has passed, the autumn clasps the cypress trees. And it goes on. So why is September bleak? You know, it's at the end of September that summer comes to an end and autumn begins. So, um, but it is that time. It is like that moment of transition. Uh, I know in Wisconsin, our students go back really at the end of August, maybe last week of August, or the first day of September. Whereas I know other 
other parts of the country, kids go back to school as early as like August 5th or um, mid-August. So uh, so September then for us, at least where I live, is, is that transition time. Labor Day happens. You kind of ease out of summer recreation. So uh, what motivated you, moved you to write in bleak September? For at the end of September, that was a transition time for me because that was when I left the convent. So that whole poem is about my experience during a seasonal transition, but also in my life, how it was a transition of coming out of the convent and readjusting to being back in the world. And the poem addresses as well how, and it ref, I hope it reflected in that poem, also how because when I came out, I had such the love and support of my parish priests. A lot of those that leave religious life don't have that support. They don't receive that support, but I did. I was blessed. My whole parish was supportive and the priests were extremely supportive and they got me involved right back in the church. Uh, even my pastor, he sat with me the first Sunday and he asked me, you know, you're going to keep coming to mass, right? He was very concerned about my soul and that meant a lot to me. And I said, yes, father, I'm going to keep coming to mass, but he was there for me. Uh, he would have probably called me or showed up at my house if I wasn't at mass just to make sure I was okay. But I was blessed to be able to have that support and that poem. So I wanted to start with when I first left and then leading to that, that time of transition. You mentioned leaving the convent and one of the lines here, the tune of lament whispers in the breeze, but the words of the Psalms offer consolation and peace. The Psalms are something you prayed in religious life. So it seems that maybe after you left, they continue to remain a part of your spirituality. And really, that is something that offered you consolation and peace. What are some of those Psalms, if you remember, or some of the words or phrases from the Psalms that really helped you during that time? It was really um, just in general, um, as a whole, because we read I mean, this, we prayed them every day and it was always every every psalm that we read there was always something that struck me so like even after i left everything that i felt anytime i read the psalms there was always something that struck out to me and something that was helping to console me through that time and especially uh after i had left too at my parish after mass um with one of our priests we pray the psalms we pray a uh, morning prayer together so that definitely helped me because i i really still yearned for that communal aspect of it um, that normal you wouldn't have when you leave the convent. Until this day, I still have that. So a group of us will pray a morning prayer together with Father. Have you ever written a Marian poem? I had, uh, I think, I don't know if I did in that book. I think in the other book, I had more. I had quite a few of them. Um, in the first book that I'd written, um, Call to Love a Listening Heart, I had several uh, Marian poems. Okay. And uh, do you take inspiration from other poets? Like, have you read poetry all throughout your life? Um, not really, actually. It wasn't until I was older um, that I would read some poetry, but not really. It was more like for me, it was just writing it. It wasn't so much reading, It was, which was interesting. So a lot of people will ask me that. Who was your favorite um, poet? Um, now, more recently, um, Gerard Manley Hopkins. Um, I've read his poems. Okay, sure. And you know, it's him that I think that I reference in the very beginning that with, with his poem, May's Magnificat. And maybe he wrote a poem, too, called The Hound of Heaven, but I could be wrong. But that's another popular Catholic poem. You wrote this book of Catholic poetry called Belonging to Christ. Can people get it in book form? Is it just ebook? Where can people acquire a copy of the book? Um, the paperback is available on Amazon as well as the ebook edition, too. So it's on Amazon um, right now. Okay. And, yeah, it's on Amazon. 
And what has been the reception? So obviously you write a book, you share it with others, maybe some of your followers on Twitter, they got copies, you've given it to family and friends. What do they say about your poetry? I know uh, from a lot of positive feedback that it helped um, to inspire them and they enjoyed reading it and helped to deepen their faith. Um, even some of my family members have shared the same with me. So that's And that was the whole point of writing that poetry book was to help others that hopefully they get inspiration from the words and that it touches them in some way. And that's wonderful. And uh, I know that I've been touched by the poems that I've read and as I reviewed the book before it came out. And I hope that others might be inspired too. Now you're on Twitter, I know, maybe other social media platforms, but if someone wants to see the content, the encouraging words you put out in the social media world, uh, how could they follow you? They can look uh, at my Twitter handle and they could follow me. It's at CMSSAR, S-O-R-R-P-S, 4610. Okay. Uh, I'll probably just put a link to your Twitter profile in okay. your, in the show notes because that might be easier for people to follow. But today my guest has been Christina. And I also oh, have please. a blog. A blog. Uh, t- tell me about your blog. Um, I have the blog. The blog has all of the different publications um, that I've written for as well as links um, to the books too. So that's um, called to love a listening heart. I had named that blog after my first book. Okay, sure. So the blog is a response to the first book and now you've continued writing. Do you have any other uh, poetry books in the works? Not as of now. No, not yet. Okay. Well, maybe you'll be inspired soon and, and uh, we'll have another installment of Christina Sorrentino's poetry uh, to read, to pray and meditate with. So thanks so much, Christina, for joining me today on How They Love Mary. Thank you, Father, for having me. Hey, thanks so much for listening to today's show and for all the many ways that you support the podcast. If you want to help out the podcast, be sure to check out Sock Religious. I love their socks. I love their shirts. And so go over to Sock Religious, use the link in the show notes, and buy some holy socks or some holy shirts that you can wear to evangelize your family and your friends. If you also want to support the podcast, I invite you to please share the podcast with your friends or on your social media platforms. Rate or review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. And if you don't mind, please follow me on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. My handle is at FR Edward Looney. You'll see all of the posts, all of the content that I put out each week by following me there. Thanks so much again for listening today. Know that I am entrusting you to the heart of Mary, asking her to pray for you this day and every day. And if you don't mind, say a prayer for me too. Let us remain united in prayer to Jesus through Mary. God bless.